0: to keep moving, um, even though I know there's a few people who haven't returned yet. Um, we're in a tight schedule. Joanne over here has to c- catch a plane. So we wanna make sure that we get as much out of her before she leaves as possible. Um, so when we start thinking about how we, we do this work and act using values from a values perspective, it's hard to think about where to begin. And And I hate to use the example that is so common. Can you close the door? <laughs> Thanks. Can um, someone close the door? Oh, great! Thank you. Okay. So when when we consider doing values work, it 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 sort of depends on what clients you have, how comfortable you feel, sort of moving into the values domain mm-hmm. right away. Um, but. You know, as you can probably guess from different workshops that you might have been in or different talks, so people approach it in slightly different ways depending on their own personal style. I hit record. Um, So others tend to do it sort of towards the end of therapy. You know, you might start with sort of the mindfulness process. You sort of go through the way it's been written in the 99 book and some other books, go through creative hopelessness, diffusion, et cetera. Um, Others try to bring it in early. And I think our personal style probably is more to, not necessarily do a lot of formal values work early on, but to do more informal ways of valuing early on in therapy as sort of the context of what therapy is gonna be about. So from day one, from the very moment that a client walks into my, my room, what I'm asking them is like, what have you given up for the problem I got you before? What does this cost you in your life? And you're starting right away and say, okay, so, even before we've done any creative hopelessness, even when just assessment is happening, that's part of the assessment, is what is the cost bend in terms of what matters to you in your life. And even if it's something simple like, build off of that as you start to do the work with with your clients. So it doesn't have to be that you wait to do formal values assessment to include values in your work. Um, And then it can be sort of the appetitive. You're getting clients to come back. A lot of times it's hard to sort of give them a hook, especially when you do sort of the creative hopelessness angle early on. How How do you hook a client to come back other than being like, let's see what we can do differently. What if we could sort of make it, you know, would doing this work, even if it's that time's a little bit painful, w- would it be worth it if, if you might be able to move a little closer to peace, or spending more time with your family, or whatever it is that you've given up, whatever it is it's cost you, even the smallest thing, usually, even if it's fused, even if it seems under aversive control to you, it's an appetitive to them in that moment. So using that. And then, and then you can establish a roadmap. Um, and it also will dignify when you say, okay, could we sit with that? And if clients really struggle with sitting with an experience and an acceptance exercise, they say, Okay, so now what if what if holding this meant you could walk towards that thing, you said number have to be formal, we will get to some nice formal exercises that can really create some richness in your work, but they don't have to be formal. So just to give you a sense, we, we are talking about the whole ACT model here. Um, how are we conceptualizing ACT interventions from a values perspective? How can we bring values into all of the work that we do without it being, you know, a cheerleading contest? This isn't about, you know, rah, rah, you can do it. This isn't that strategy. But as a general class, any activity done in act can be linked to values. And we have lots of specific exercises in the book. But like I said before, it's a purpose for the work rather than symptom reduction. Because usually you're doing some work early on to discuss how controlling those strategies, trying to suppress those experiences or avoid them in some way hasn't gotten in the life that they want. Mindfulness is an opportunity to practice noticing In service of being, it's a skill to be able to notice opportunities for reinforcement in your direct environment around you. Like say I care about intimacy, right? And and I really want to connect with you. And if I'm stuck in my head, right, thinking about all the things that I didn't say to you the other day or how you're not really paying attention to me or how I don't really know if you like me, I'm going to miss. And again, acceptance is in service of reducing that struggle with those experiences that we have, so that we have the time, the energy for a more vital life. If we give up that struggle, imagine how hard some of our clients have worked. You know, the ones who really are dug in and worked every strategy to try to avoid or escape from those experiences. Imagine how much time and energy they would get back if they were doing more bringing values into just every little moment that you do, and diffusion itself, especially because we can see what you're going to see a lot, um, is how language gets in the way of living our values all the time, all the time. We see it in our workshops here. We've probably have seen it in ourselves. Oh, that's a great clinical example, but I don't know if do that. They, they, they're so motivated to continue doing this powerful, I don't know. I, I'm still learning this. I don't really and there we are sort of moved out of that moment, stuck up in our own experience. So there'll be plenty of opportunities to look for diffusion for our self roles our fusion with rules about what's possible for ourselves that get in the way of valued living. we will be plenty of opportunities for that. So I just wanted to, to set the stage for that so that we can get to a nice role play where Joanne and Tobias are going to sort of demonstrate, again, sort of all the pieces of the model, sort of coming in and out, um, to work from a values perspective.
1: Okay, so uh, what we're going to do now is to. I've been working with a um, sensitized, self destructive adolescent. Uh, For a while, uh, but it's quite new. So then we're going to shorten this role play. Of course, shorten it a lot. So, uh, be a bit pushy. Okay. So see, maybe I not mean, the context, Maybe you can see see how you can uh, think about all the processes. We're going to try to create a various context for therapy, and but we're also going to touch upon the other processes. Hopefully, we'll see mm-hmm. Hi Linda, welcome back, it's nice to see you again. How are you?
2: You are such an idiot! Uh-oh. What was it you were thinking about sending me home last week? What were you thinking about? It was a disaster! Morning. Lisa's friends with Sarah, and she and she was my best friend yesterday. What what kind of an idiot place is Why do I have to be here? It's not my fault. Why am I? Why can't I go home?
1: Went home, it didn't work out well. What did it work? No. Can you tell me what happened? I guess Linda, you know what I can see? I can see the same thing this time as I saw when we talking talked about this last time. That you really
2: Her lap. She's soft and I miss that feeling of that I belong somewhere, that I'm, I don't belong here. Why am I here? Why do I have to be here? went and got her flowers.
1: And you went, with you do to get flowers. You I got her boarding. favorite
2: flowers. She likes daisies. I got her daisies. You did? And I got on the bus and I and I was and she came to meet me at the bus and she had the dog. She had our dog with oh. her and they came and met me at the bus and I hugged her and I smelled her and I felt her arms around me and I just felt so I want to be home.
1: That was some so that that so you actually went from here you went from here from our session and you start taking doing a lot of things that was uh, in line with something you wanted. Bought flowers, you met her. How was that meeting her?
2: It was good.
1: It was good. How did that feel?
2: Yeah, she smelled like my mom and she had baked my favorite cakes for for. She'd make coffee and made my favorite cakes that I like, and the whole house smelled like those cakes. And my brother came, and my my dog was there, and it was like it was just like oh, it yeah. used to be when it was best. Okay,
1: so that sounds. Sounds like you did a, did a lot of things that were important to you. Yeah.
2: What what happened
3: later when you got? Home
2: She just told me I'd to be at home at a certain time, that I couldn't meet those people that I met before. She's so stupid. She didn't know that I'm grown up. What did th- what is she thinking? That I was gonna follow those was, This is what she does every single time. You got mad.
1: So you you, you. I <sighs> now. <right,
2: that's>
1: right. <coughs> she she showed you.
2: those rules, I am
1: you the room. What happened?
2: I just. I did that. I just completely lost control. And I.
1: Can you? Can you? Can you getting? Are you getting in contact with that now? I saw you became so. I mean, you became angry.
2: I threw him at her. I ran up to my room. I locked the bathroom, and I took out a razor blade. I had it with me because I knew this would happen. It happens every single time I go home.
1: So just in case you, you brought it up. You brought it up. Heratio.
2: Why is it always like this? It's not my fault. Okay.
1: Hmm. So you got out there and
2: I was just gonna. I was just gonna try to calm down.
1: So you, you cut yourself a bit.
2: Just a bit. And
1: calm down, so you could, so that you would calm down, and Sorry.
2: then. And then she comes in with a screwdriver into the bathroom and saw it. I didn't want her to see. I just wanted to calm down so I could stay home.
1: that you did I mean, you did such a great job in daring to go home knowing that it was going to be tough for you. And when you got home you you got exactly what you wanted in the sense that you, you got a uh, hug from your mom, you could smell that you, you got in contact with her and you, you met your dog. there will something that you really, really like I to be able to go home.
2: I wanna go to school, I wanna meet my friends, I wanna I wanna to work. I want to work.
1: And one thing that stops you from being able to be there or you witness, that is that when that those for example when she's showing you the explodes like the feeling feel feels a love and you explode and you immediately on that on that feeling when she shows you that you just nuclear player bomb experiences and those feelings that is so powerful and really gets a hold of you and get to know them a bit better so that they don't have to control you. So that
2: But I'm so scared of 'cause I'm I'm so scared of the, what I want because what if it never happens?
4: So you're
1: scared of your your that like kind of what your piece does and what you what you do instead of all these memories that you have had and all these bad experiences because this has been a hard you have, a, you have had a hard time what if you could control
2: just what if you could decide and choose I, w- your life? I want to but I
1: avances sí. Would it be good for you to get to know that? So that would it be good if if this could, could uh, be much more part of your life? What you want your life to? What you want in your life? the rules you would you would react on that feeling so you both it was both good and bad this time
2: i don't like the rules here either
1: no. so what would what be a and one thing we we need to do united is to get to know this kind of explosion impulse feeling what would be a step that we united you uh, that would be an action this monster. Mm-hmm. I like you. You <laughs> like me? Don oh, okay. so would you, what would be a step for you to kind of do this here? That would be, do, do, you, do you see
2: yeah, what I mean? That, that I could tell I like you, that I could say that I liked you.
3: That's
1: nice. <laughs> so what would be a step that you would be... Can you, can you think about one of those?
2: That was it.
1: That was it? That's very nice. Was that hard for you?
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: Then it was very courageous. whoop. whoop. how would that be hard?
2: Because I would, I would rather hit you than. You'd rather hit
1: me? Do you, can you think about one? If you could do it here, with you me at the center, that would get you like
2: go to school.
1: Is that hard? Do you get angry in school? Oh. So because
2: Sarah and Lisa—they were my best friends yesterday, okay. but today, it's like I don't exist.
1: They were your best friends, and now you don't exist for them. What would be what would a step for you then? So, connect, contact.
3: She lost the plot, really. <laughs> you know, the sort of fusion. But what I did notice is that you didn't do any intervention. You just sort of listened to it, and yeah. get the picture, yeah. uh, chain. And if anything, you focus more on the values and what she longs for than uh, sort of what gets in the way of uh, getting
1: yeah. it. Um, my reflection is, uh, I think, two things. And one of them. think I think validate trying to by trying to validate without going into content or without going into talking about uh, maybe the avoid. Uh, yeah. we, have used, we have been using that as a diary. We're going to have a quick look at that in a while. That's one thing. I mm-hmm. think about man was Yeah. A lot of the exercises mm-hmm. the you do, just talking about asking about it as well. The EQ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one thought too. In addition to um, <laughs> you know,
0: another way. To Gives me rules. Well, one way to go inside that, from a values perspective, might be to sort of link back to you know what is her value about for being at home. You know, what is what is it that she really wants to be about when she's home? And it sounded like she was saying she wanted to be um, able to be a little more independent. And there's that sort of teenage sort of that independence that's like no, no, you just can't have me rules. But there's a piece in there that might. So...
1: Oh,
0: no, there's a couple more. Um, Yes, I think we have time to kind of walk through some Mm -hmm. strategies a little bit. Um, And some of them have come up in the work that they just did, so I won't spend too much time on them. But um, often fusion of many forms, and we spend some time in the book talking about the different ways fusion can manifest itself um, in terms of valuing. But some examples might be when unhelpful (laughs) rules come up. You know, um, I, I have to be independent or else I can't be at home, right? That might be one that showed up for this for uh, this client right here. Um, so looking for those unhelpful rules and discussing sort of the mind sort of taking them and running with them and then pushing the client around to, to sort of feel like they have to listen to them. Um, just like I was saying, there might be a value inside that sort of blow up moment of anger. A lot of times, we we behave in the way we verbally talk to each other is like, oh I have I should go to that talk. I I should go here. I should go to class. I should do this. When actually it's kind of inaccurate. A lot of times there are things that are really important to us, but we, we should about it. And so sometimes there's a value inside those shoulds, and sometimes it's it's just a thought. So you know, working inside diffusion around that, like let's just walk inside that should. Where's that coming from? Who is telling you that should? Let's notice your mind shoulding about that. What are we shoulding about? Is it something important? That sounds terrible when I say it like that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you get the idea. Um, this is a really classic one, just changing the way you speak. I'd love to go home, but every time I go home, my mom does this to me. Right? So this is a really common one. OK, so let's notice, like, you went home, something happens with mom, So and you still want to go home. I, I go home and I feel anxious, angry, upset, invalidated. Okay, great. So so you can have both of those experiences and maybe continue to be at home. Um, just looking at the way the logical mind limits values. You know, we, we sort of have that coherence thing. If I can understand, if I can fix, if I can problem solve. Um, those are very common things. Also just thinking. A lot of times we, how many of us have sort of planned out step-by-step something we wanted to do in service of our values. Okay, right. Now, none of those steps necessarily are like, we may not be valuing in those steps. Maybe we're sort of moving towards it, but sometimes it can be, you know, we can spend all the time planning for life and not actually living it, right? Maybe those steps planning are in service of the value, but maybe not. So just sort of getting at the way that if we think, we can't think our way into our values. We have to be moving our feet in some direction or another. Um, And then just really helping notice, helping a client notice judgment and evaluation as really, really pervasive processes. So, you know, perhaps as the client was sitting here, you know, saying something like, okay, so let's just notice right now. So, So you have the evaluation that mom always does that. You have the judgment that this was a horrible time to come home. All you have to do is reframe, exactly like to be a, just repeating what's said and just reframe it a little bit. So then you're building a discrimination between reality and an evaluation. Description versus evaluation, very simple. And undermining reason-giving. Same thing, I can't go home because I will feel bad. Oh, okay. So, so how does feel bad prevent you from walking in the door? Right? You, you can sort of say, can you feel bad and walk through the threshold of your can you do that? Can you take it with you? Right? Can you can you have it and walk? Through. Okay, so it's not really a barrier. So just notice. The mind says it's a barrier, but it's just sort of a reason. That our so what we do, our minds give us reasons. Why did you go out? I felt like it. Hmm. What's that about? When we really just chose to do that, but we like to give reasons for doing things or for not doing things. Why didn't you go out last night? Eh. I felt too anxious. Right? We give reasons. Maybe we just chose not to go. Anxiety might have been present, but we chose to stay home. Same kind of thing. Um, I won't go into choice versus decision other than just to say, you know, making a decision can be a really rational process that can seem like um, it's very value-oriented, but in reality we just get to choose, right? Reasons may come along, but they don't have to be, because if the reasons are why we do something, if the reasons change, we have, to choose, we have to change our behavior. So it's a free choice again. Um, let's see, contact with the present moment. Again, we've talked about this a little bit, that you know, coming out of contact with the present moment leads to reactions to private events that take us out of the ability to contact what's present here both within me, but also outside here and you know, from you and you and you and all of the things that me might be able to sort of build an experience in the world that is of meaning to me. So building present and moment awareness helps us experience the world more directly. Um, and again, we're not saying, you know, this is what I think is hard with mindfulness sometimes, is, you know, clients come and say, you want me to what? You want me to contact that more? But I don't like it why would I touch it more? It doesn't make any sense to me. You say, okay, yes, but all of it you're doing is about not having this, so if you could make room for this, and this, and this, and this, and this. You're broadening what's available to be contacted and experienced so that this experience of, of upset is no longer dominating what you're is. It's no longer the only thing you can sense. It doesn't have to be. only. And in that way, we have a greater potential to contact things around us that are of importance. And in terms of acceptance, I, I tend not to use the word acceptance because people think of resignation or wallowing, like I have to. Yes,
2: I have to feel this. This is
0: great, right? Wanting it, resigning oneself to always having. So I tend to use other words like making space breathing it in. Allowing it to be there. Let's just sit here for a moment. Right? Those kinds of things where you're inviting space, being willing to experience, or just saying, you know, struggle. So what if we could just sort of let that struggle be for a minute? Kind of step out of it. And and really what we're saying with acceptance is we're learning how to live a vital life when pain is present. Right? I mean... It's pretty hard. We have to avoid a lot to walk through. Like, if I said to you, your, your homework assignment is to leave here and live the rest of your life never experiencing pain, I mean, it's impossible. I could very easily walk out the door and smack my shoulder into the doorway and then I'm in pain. Or, you know, Benji, who I have a relationship with, could say, nah, I no longer want to be friends with you and then I feel pain. Or, or you know, whatever. I mean, so there's inevitable pain. So it's not about avoiding. So much of it is unavoidable, but walking with it, and there's some great metaphors that are really simple that you can just talk about with clients, like the ball of chain. like you can struggle with the pain by dragging it behind you, and what we mean by acceptance, willingness, and being more aware of Sometimes clients make statements about what they most fear. You know, like, like Joanne just did. I'm most afraid that I'll never be able to live this normal life at home. I'm really afraid of that. So inside that, you know, there might be a, there's an important value in there. I'm really afraid. Because right? as soon as we care about someone, think about like you meet someone new. Do you ever like think back like, oh, I hope they like me again? I hope, I hope they remember my name. I hope they liked what I. Right, there's sort of a fear that comes up that like or, or if it goes really well, what if I lose that? Can I handle that loss? Right? And it's this evaluation process is present. But fear is sort of present in almost anything we do. And so even inside sort of downplaying or saying, no, no, that's too scary. values pain link and and what could be possible for us as therapists if if we compassionately walk inside that pain. Um, So just a quick sort of bounce back into RFT. I think we have a, a little bit of time to do that.
4: Acceptance, basically, from an RFT perspective, Um, providing rules that specify actions that bring a person into contact uh, with contingencies and events, Um, some of which, of course, can be aversive. Um, An example here, a talk before the talk, I know I'm going to feel anxious (coughs) at some point before during this workshop, and then when I'm in the workshop and I'm doing that, yeah, I'm feeling anxious. Okay, so, yeah, that confirms that. by itself, that is the process of acceptance. So in other words, it's a rule that brings me into contact with an experience, uh, following a rule, that brings me into contact with possibly an aversive experience, and my following the rule, and then actually coming in contact with that experience. Now that is acceptance by itself, without necessarily adding in value or any other uh, kinds of uh, processes. From an RFT point of view, then, that's, that's acceptance. Um, and. One of the things that uh, RFP talks about that would make that, that you know, we would be likely to follow that rule and actually do that, um, is simply just the idea of coherence again. So that brings us back to relational coherence. It's as simple as the fact that the rule is provided. I a the rule. Uh, so that, you know, I, I'm going to, when I do this, it, it may feel aver- aversive. And then I do it, and it feels aversive. So there is actually a, a coherence element, even though it's actually aversive to do it. A, there's an element of relational coherence in that, and so that itself is reinforcing. Now, as I say, that is just simply separating out the process of acceptance from valuing or other things. Of course, it's also important that I'm doing this because it's in the service of values. But if we just isolate the acceptance component, that's what RFP would talk about. So coherence and predictability, powerful verbal reinforcers. Uh, the issue then is is to is not to allow evaluation of the experience get in the way of the behavior. Uh, so in other words, I'm terrible for feeling anxious and so on. Or to expand on that, they can tell me I'm, they can tell I'm anxious. Um, but the core then is just having this rule, following the rule, and uh, affirming then that that yes, the rule is correct.
0: Okay, I, I know we're sort of running out of time rapidly, so I'm going to kind of go through these a little quickly, but. Um, when we do self work, self is sort of one of those difficult uh, parts of the model that can be difficult to sort of talk about with clients. We don't have a lot of language to talk about this sense of perspective that, that we are sort of cultivating. So so I tend to do um, bring in ways of, of, of saying, sort of, so just sort of notice that there's a you noticing within diffusion or mindfulness exercises as little ways to do it. Um, but in terms of valuing, um, I, I really like passengers on the bus. I know it's sort of an old standard. Um, but I really like it in terms of self and, and values because um, it allows you to sort of work with the client's <coughs> barriers um, and really sort of separate them out. Like these aren't you. They're part of your bus, this whole experience of your life, but they're not you. And, and when they show up, when you take your hands off the steering wheel, your feet off the pedals and turn around to deal with them, you know, you're moving away from your values. You're stopping the bus. You're no longer moving in that direction. Or when you listen to them, you're physically trying but you're doing what they say rather than what you would choose to do. So it's just a nice way to sort of bring values into the moment and to allow there to be exploration of the experiences that might get in the way. Um, And also some physicalizing self-statements, kind of writing them down so that they're sort of out here, you can play with them. Okay, Okay. so the last part of the model here is, um, Lack of committed action or avoidant and avoidant persistence. So what we see when there's lack of committed action, like life feels stagnant or meaningless or without purpose. So when someone might say, like, I really care about these things, but I can't do it for whatever reason. Maybe they're really fused, or maybe they're not sure what they care about and they're just not doing. Right. Life just sort of feels meaningless. Um, and then when there is movement, you know, someone who goes to work every day at a job they absolutely hate, like, it's really hard to maintain that. It's short-lived short-lived, it's correlated with stress and depression, feels empty and without meaning, and maybe actually sort of coercive and punishing. Um, so when we're developing and maintaining committed action, this is gonna come up and talk about assessments that can be used to develop patterns of, of valued action, um, as well as how they can be used for the assessment beginning of, in the beginning of therapy. What well, we're looking for is flexibility, right? We're, ca- we're saying like values are freely chosen. They're not arbitrary but um, they may need to be a little bit in the beginning to get moving. if the client comes in and says, I have absolutely no idea what I really care about. I don't know how to answer you when you ask me that. Um, You know, and one way to to go about bringing up ways to contact different things to see what works and what doesn't to detect workability might be to practice sort of trying on a value. Um, And that's, you know, mindfully attending to living in service of a chosen value whether or not it's heartfelt in that moment as an experience to then use as discrimination for further valuing. And so this is just a quick uh, sort of list of um, what you might say to a client, you know, first choose any value, just choose one. Notice your reactions as you choose it and list out some behaviors to do, like what would a person who cares about this do? Then choose among those. Notice any judgments that come up about, like, I could have chosen another one. Is that a good behavior or whatever? Then make a plan. I'm going to do this on Tuesday and Friday. Okay? And then just behave. Don't share with people around you, like, hey, hey, I want to go out with you on Friday because I'm really working on this assignment. Right? Just sort of see what happens. Right? To see what, what the environment affords if you make a choice to live in that direction. And then commit to it. Keep track of it. Really notice your reactions and reflect on it coming back into therapy. And I like to do this over a broad period of time, like a week or two weeks or a month, to really give people a chance to practice coming into contact with both aversives and positives that might come up. Because the first time someone tries a new behavior, it's like riding a bicycle. You might fall down a couple times. The environment isn't necessarily going to support valuing necessarily immediately. Okay, I'm going to skip this one for now. And
1: this is to be, this. Yes. So, yeah. Sure. Um. So let's talk a <coughs> bit about. Um, we we included this book. It's <coughs> part of the book, but it is about assessment. And we, I have. I mean, there are a lot of. Let's see, oh, there are there are a lot of assessments out there. Um, so, like the very late life questionnaire, um, personal values questionnaire, chronic pain values inventory, and, and other ways of assessment. Um, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna focus on uh, an, an instrument that we that, that we have developed in Uppsala. Um, that was main in the beginning. It was developed for the work we did in developing countries. Because uh, we try to do the everything in therapy and this treatment process and the and the, and the research process as nonverbally as possible and like, can uh, create physical metaphors because going down to South Africa, uh, India, uh, I was about it was five years ago and my English was even worse. Uh, so going there. Uh, and measure valued living uh, to use uh, for this it was we used the dartboard uh, but finding ways of um, measuring without needing to talk so much uh, so and then we have developed it more so and so I'm going to focus on, on that instrument to, to talk about assessment and um, but there are a lot of others out there, and I mean, you you read about them in the book, and there are papers to read about it, and the list serve to talk about it. There are on the contextualpsychology.org uh, webpage just to download them and start to use for values work in the beginning of therapy, under therapy as an outcome measure. So you can absolutely do that, but. This instrument can be used, and we, we're using it for different purposes, both at the re- as researchers and clinicians. Um, used at the beginning a, a, of, of the therapy to create a context for therapy. Um, I think I know that Kirk and Patty are using uh, uh, these bullseye instruments when their clients are coming in for the first time. They have the nurse to do that. Before they go in to meet the doctor or their therapist or whatever, just in the beginning, they are doing the bullseye assessment, asking them, okay, so, so I- instead of assessing, uh, assessing all the places where they have pain, they are assessing where, uh, what they want their life to be about to start with, um, to kind of create a context for 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 the work. And then when they, c- I'm, and I'm going to show it, I'm going to talk more about it. But when they come into the doctor or the therapist. They already have done this, uh, and the doctor could ask, "Okay, so how can I contribute so that you can take and uh, move closer to what you want to let your life be about?" Um, so instead of start assessing um, the barriers and what what is hard for them, where we could by using this assess what they want their life to be about. Um, could provide people goals and obstacles to a valid life. So, not only is this this instrument create giving you creating a possibility to talk about values, but also what is stopping you from 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 moving in that direction. That's been used as an outcome measure and also um, as a process measure of both values diffusion and acceptance and values attainment, and also used as. Uh, as a clinical tool, tool, when I work with with the adolescents, as a bullseye, we have called it the Bullseye Diary. So each morning, each and every morning, uh, before it, when they wake up at the center for such a adolescence where I where I supervise, then we have the adolescents and, and mm-hmm. to actually say something. So the question is, what would you like to value today? What would be a value that would be important to today? They can say something. Friendship, okay. So they kind of write that down. Let just write the friendship down, and they then say, okay, what, what's important for your friendship? Just a couple of words, two, three sentences. And what will be a step in that direction? Could be. Well, I text, I text Sarah and ask her if you when I come over and have a cup of tea. Just that simple. Okay, write that down as well. Leave it, leave it for now in in this in a book, and I will show you how it looks like later write that down, and then when they get back home during the evening, and at the evening they, they're giving the book, the diary, from the staff, and they use this dark board to actually measure if they have done it, and they also are giving space to reflect on that. And, and if they would put their mark mar at this dark board in the middle of it, that would mean that they are actually taking steps in that direction. I'm going to show the dark board. Sure. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, I, there are slides, a couple, couple of slides before that. But oh, okay. So, okay. Why are we not going to do this? Oh. You are. Oh, there there we go. Okay. <laughs> so that's, the, that, that's, that's how it looked when we went to South Africa. So if they would come back home and put their eggs in the middle of the dartboard, that would be mean that they would move, during that day, this, the, the, the valid action that they chose would be a step uh, in that direction. So an X in, in the middle of the dark world would be acting in accordance with values. And as stated, for su- for example here, by respect, have fun, um, be able to talk about all kinds of things, being close. Uh, and an X in further out would be that they, would they, they stated that this is what I want to do, but they didn't take a step, they can't, didn't do anything else, anything. And then what they leave. They leave the diary again to the staff, and the staff kind of writes a couple of comments just so to give them feedback and to say, "Oh, that's that's a good thing that you looked like. That's a good thing that you uh, that you, you stated what you wanted." And what what do you think to try? Maybe you should try that or that. If you give some feedback because so it gets, becomes their bullseye diary of a valued life.
4: Um, yeah. okay.
1: So. All right. I think we'll um, how long time do you want me to talk? I not a problem. Not a mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so um Steve talked quite a lot about processes <laughs> and things like that yesterday. So I don't think I'm going into that at all and just skip it. Uh, but I think the major point that, I, will, that w- I wanted to make was to, and Steve did the same thing yesterday, to create d- and develop and evaluate measures that could actually look at the processes that we actually can use in, in instruments. We have used uh, bullseye in, in epilepsy research, looking at the processes, seeing that, remember the, the, the dark, wood, seeing and acting in accordance with being in, in, in the middle of the bullseye. If we can help clients get in the middle of the bullseye, it will actually explain quite a lot of the variance in the outcome of of seizure frequency. So we can get people to live in that uh, in bullseye, as measured by this instrument, could help uh, decrease epileptic seizures, decrease depression, anxiety. Uh, yeah. So um, this is. Just a data slide from the South African article. Uh, so we measure the distance between bullseye and the x. And the distance, in when it was created this way, was four n- 4.5 <laughs> centimeters from the bullseye to the author's, eye, author's circle. And then we had them to to uh, state their value, uh, state the direction, and 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 then ask them how, and ask them to put their X where it best represented how close they were to living in in, bullseye. in So doing that and then measure again after after the intervention, also during to look at the process, and then at six months and one year, and you can see that the, the act group is it's really to getting into getting into being active in that direction, and it sticks after a year. So. We did the same thing with barriers. Looks exactly the same. Uh, as I said, in the in, in the process when we published this in the Journal of Behavior Medicine, it's not impressive, it's out last year. You can see that being active in these directions and and decreased believability in obstacles would actually uh, re- mediate mediate the changes in outcome, both for depression and epileptic seizures duration and frequency. I'm not going to look at any statistics. This is how it looks right now. We have we have taken 100 participants and, and asked them what they wanted their life to be about. And after they answered those questions, we're publishing it now. They answered those questions, we took a, used the factor analysis to see what kind of areas that will be. And actually, 85% of the participants said relationships was one thing that they one if you could choose one area you want like to develop in life what would that be 85 percent said uh, relationships Uh, and then you had after that was work and leisure time and we added health because we work with that so much yeah all right then we validate validity scores of that reliability scores but i think we so there are assessments out there, uh, both that that's designed to be that could be used as both as a clinical tool and as an assessment tool, and as outcome as an outcome measure and as, as a process measure. So they're all in the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yes, I know. Sold out. New Harbinger didn't give
0: us and very many stuff. copies to sell here, so
1: that's yeah, kind probably. of a bummer. It's, is,
0: it's available on Amazon at a discounted rate as well. And it's, it's Actually,
1: free at contextualpsychology.org, I guess. For there free. All
0: the, all, the the, all the instruments are for free, absolutely. Um, <laughs> what <laughs> I want to oh, put a plug in for, though, is if you go to the contextualpsychology.org website and search for the book there, there should be a link to buy the book through Amazon and a portion of the proceeds goes to support ACBS. So you're not giving us a royalties by doing that, you're giving the community royalties by doing that. So I just want to put in a plug to do that, to go to the contextual psych website first, find the link to Amazon, buy it through there, and then we get a portion as a society. So um, so I'd love to do this. I just don't think we have the time to really do it justice. And um, and it is bringing back into some more RFT here. But I think as a wrap up, and to give you a chance to ask some questions, I just want to sort of reflect on what we've done today. and how it fits within the mission of the Association of Contextual Behavioral Science. As you see, we've, we've linked everything we've done to RFT research. And I know it was a little hard to follow maybe at the beginning for some of you who haven't heard it before. A little bit tough to get in there. But if you notice, everything we do is built off of this foundation. And we've started from the very basic research, gone to application, and then to outcome research to see you know, can we actually measure something as, as fundamental as that? is a fundamental question that philosophers and human beings have been asking since recorded history. Can we actually measure some semblance of what that might be and see if that predicts good outcomes for the people we treat and we care about in our work? And so I encourage you to consider that in your work. You know, might I use a measure to see? Can I set the certainly not right. We don't know everything yet. So can we, as a, as a group, sort of empower each other to do a little bit of, you know, maybe research, with a little R, you know, keeping track of your client's progress using these, these measures and bringing this kind of really fundamental, important work to the work that you're already doing. And so we hope that this workshop has given you, if not the direct tools to do that, a taste for what you might be able to We have some time
5: for questions. Um, yeah. I have a strange question, and it's about values, and it might not be about anything you talked about today. I don't want to take a lot of time with it, but just a few people have said in workshops and talking to me that even when somebody's doing something that seems pathological, like you know, even in taking their heroin, that something about that is value driven. Mm-hmm. And and like I guess I can. I can explain what I think they mean by that, but it seems like bullshit. Um, so does it se- does it seem like that's true or that it's not value-directed? We just lost
0: it as much as I were. Um, and so I, I feel a little bit off- not able to really articulate that as well as we did in the paper, but um, I think when we came back, If what the function of that behavior of taking heroin is really actually aversive control in the sense that that is an avoidance or escape move from some sort of unwanted state, then I would not say that that's a value from the definition that we use in this community. Um, and I know people say that loosely, but maybe as. Also, serve a function beyond the actual nicotine and smoking action, then there, I'd say there might be some values. It's just the action is not necessarily in the long term interest. Like, there's a different form of the
5: Party because of social phobia, or mm-hmm. I might feel bad. And the reason why they might feel bad is because they actually care about being socially accepted. Like, I want to be so much a part of it, and I'm going to stutter and blush in front yeah. of them, so I don't want to do that, so I won't go. And that, you know, so is that, is staying home, then is it value directed, or is it
3: avoiding tracking? I would yeah. say it's avoiding tracking. Why well, can't I it don't, be value I don't directed?
5: Value, so. Right, so I think that obviously behavior can be
4: reinforced by things other than values, I guess is what I'm referring to. Right. <laughs> Not necessarily on current sustainability. Right, uh, right, right. And I
0: think people also say yeah. loosely, and Ryan even said in this room, that you know you're valuing.
3: what you're doing is you're searching for the nugget of gold. You're trying to find something that you can validate in that behaviour. I mean, there's lots of things you can't validate. So you're not in the business of, invalidating, of validating the invalid. Mm-hmm. But if you can find something to validate, then one that's in the service
1: service of your value of having a better social life or being able to relate to people without your
3: social anxiety. Or it just won't be of over time. Or even anorexia in the service of
0: being appreciated and being valued by others. Sure. I'm just going to wrap it up because I know we all need to take a break and get some plenary
3: <coughs> and thank you and for I your time.